0: This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, Episode 1.
1: This is Writing Excuses, chronology of a book deal. Fifteen minutes long, because you're in a
2: hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And the part of Dan this week will be played by a field of adats marching through the snow to attack the rebel days. <laughs> Also, we have um, affectionately known as the Fifth Musketeer, Eric James Stone, joining us. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for inviting me. Eric's going to be filling in quite a bit for us in the next few podcasts as uh, Dan is still in Germany eating
3: sauerkraut. Um, book deal.
4: This sauerkraut commercials.
3: <laughs> I am wearing, and I am not a serial killer. Sh- yes. T-shirt. Yes.
2: In fact, when I invited you, I um I asked you to come and play Dan for us, but we we actually got the adats for that this time, so you can just <laughs> be a guest star. <laughs> um, better than the gerbils with the harmonica last time. <laughs> Eric, you just got a book deal. I did. You but... have. Yay! Congratulations! Let's...
4: Huzzah! And and by just tell us how long ago you heard the news.
3: Uh, about. Uh... Two hours ago
4: <laughs> why
2: are
1: we here we should be out <laughs>
2: eating and celebrating it's it's awesome for those who are not long-time listeners we've had eric on since like the first season right
1: yeah
2: um eric, exactly
1: like the first yeah, season
2: been on all this time on writing excuses and has made numerous short story sales to professional markets but this is your first book deal
1: there was a nebula win in there as well wasn't yes. there yes there was um howard you just got a book deal I did. Actually, about uh, three weeks ago, I signed a contract with uh, Privateer Press to uh, uh, follow up the uh, Extraordinary Zoology uh, series. Right, with a the novel. They had me do a novella. Yeah, they want they a want novel this time. So, And so, this
2: will be your first
1: professional novel This will sale. be my first professional uh, novel-length sale. So, Mary,
2: you just got a book deal.
4: I did. This is, so this is uh, three novels... Uh, which is the last one in my series, and then two new standalones, and those were about a month ago.
2: So awesome. Everybody has book deals, but I'm especially excited for for Eric because we've had you on for so long. We all knew it was coming, and now it is here. And what we want to talk about on this podcast is um, everyone's experience selling their first book is different. And what I found is the marketplace changes so fast and so quickly that even my experience of only ten years ago is now delightfully antiquated um, compared to what's happening right now. Because the ebook revolution hadn't happened before I when I sold and things right, like it's that. it's not
1: just everybody's first book. Yeah. It's uh, Mary. This five book deal is it three plus two? Is that a five book deal? No,
4: it's it's a three book deal.
1: It's a th- oh a third book plus right. two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that was different than your yeah, than yeah. your first. Yeah, so. So,
4: yeah everything, everything is different. But let's start with, since we're doing chronology, yep. let's start mm-hmm. with the newest of them. Yes.
2: Eric, how did this all come about? Tell us the very beginnings.
3: Well, the, the very beginning is in 2008, I wrote a novel. Um, and it was the second novel I'd written. And it was only 63,000 words. Yes, I
2: remember reading that novel.
3: And uh so I I shopped it around to various agents um and basically nobody was interested in a 63,000 word novel. Uh so um I tried extending it out a little bit. Um, and I uh I sent it off to uh Joshua Bilmes. Okay. Um, and it uh, uh it got passed off to a, a junior yes. um, agent and he had some feedback for me about it um, uh, that he gave me personally at Worldcon and said he had some more notes he wanted to give me, but then you know, I didn't want to bug him about it, so I never got any further notes. Um, so eventually I kind of gave up on the idea that this novel had any possibility mm-hmm. of selling uh, just because it was too short and I didn't know how to extend it. Uh, then I uh, was nominated for a Nebula and a Hugo for uh, one of my novelettes, and I heard back from the junior agent asking if the novel was still available. Um, okay, and I'm getting the chronology a bit wrong here because actually. Uh, having decided that it was not going to sell anywhere, I decided to start uh, publishing it on my website okay. as a serial, uh-huh. and to uh, have the full novel available on you know Kindle and Nook. Right.
1: I actually have it on my iPad. Um, you know, Brandon. Brandon said, "Oh, I remember reading that." I said, "I remember reading that too." I'm pretty sure I still have. It in the library, and sure enough, I still do. It's unforgettable. Yeah. Yes, so we're allowed to say the name, right? Yes. Okay. Good. Good, um, since you just did. Yep. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> we, we can leave out a guess that I said right? <laughs> right? unforgettable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh,
3: so I had I had published about eleven chapters mm-hmm. um, on my uh, blog and had put it up on Amazon for people to buy if they were interested. Um, I have to say, people were not beating down the doors of Amazon <laughs> uh, to, to buy it, but, but I was hoping that it would build up over time. And uh, but then, uh, you know, I so I answered the junior agent and I said, "Well, it is still available, but I've already self-published it. Rights of first publication and, no longer are." And uh, and he said, "Oh, that's okay. Then no problem." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I sent the full novel to them because they'd been critiquing just a partial. Um, and uh, I spoke to Joshua at, at the Nebulas the the morning before the awards ceremony. And he said that he felt it needed some work, um, but that he would be willing to look at it again if I revised it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then I won the Nebula, mm-hmm. and the next day... Uh, Joshua said, you know, I think it's actually good enough to pitch to Hollywood as is, you know, because c- they don't care about what's, you know, the actual novel, they just care about the concept.
1: That right? is a hilarious <laughs> statement yeah. on Hollywood, but <laughs> yes, continue. Yeah.
3: So he said, I'm, I'm going out to Hollywood this week. Would you mind if I pitched the, the novel to some agents out there, the, you know, some of my connections out there? And I said, Sure. So one of his, uh, connections out there was interested. And so, uh, I signed on with, uh, mm-hmm. with Joshua as my agent and, uh, the Hollywood agent. Was that Joel Gottler Uh. Or Brian Lipson maybe? Ga- Gottler. yeah. Gotler, okay. um, And, uh, he, uh, you know, over the course of the next few months, uh, Pitched it to a whole bunch of people. We had an offer from one place, and I thought we were going to accept that offer. But uh, I guess they, you know, were trying to get another better offer from someone else. And eventually, uh, eventually, that that happened. And so we sold the the movie and TV rights.
4: And what year is this?
3: Uh, this would have been two thousand ten.
4: All right, mm-hmm. so novel written in 2008.
2: Eight. Sold the movie rights in 2010.
1: 2010. Um, and With a Nebula win early in
4: 2010. Right, I, I'm, I'm yes.
3: hearing
2: that's the big key, guys. It would have been
3: 2011 because okay. the, the Nebula winning story right. was published in 2010. Okay. Um, so uh, then... Um,
4: Okay, so you do have to add in Write a Nebula. nebula Write a Nebula award-winning short. 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 Okay, great. I'm I'm making notes. Which
3: I I also wrote in 2008. Okay, nice.
2: So So you have to go back in time to 2008. (laughs) Yeah.
3: yeah. Right. So um, then uh, Joshua had uh, basically given the novel to one editor who he thought might be interested at Mm -hmm. a at a publishing house, and that editor had some suggestions. Um, So I uh, wrote a new beginning Mm -hmm. for the novel, um, and the Hollywood people had... One of the Hollywood people who didn't actually end up buying it had a question, Uh and I rewrote an outline Mm -hmm. to fit... Because they said, does the climax have to take place in the Iranian desert? Couldn't it be in, like, London? (laughs) Like...
4: (laughs) <laughs> if it will sell, it and, <laughs> uh, so,
3: so so I I re- rewrote the reworked the ending so it could be in London instead of the Iranian desert. Uh huh. Um, and I actually liked that ending better. Okay. So um, so then after the, that first editor that Joshua had sent it to looked at the revised version, said he liked it, but he couldn't get enough support in the company, you know, uh, to to buy it. Joshua said, "Well, do you want to send this version around now?" Uh, or do you want to revise it? And I said, "Well, I think I should revise it." Mm-hmm. And he basically he said, "That's what I wanted to hear." <laughs> uh, so, um, so I I worked on revising it uh, and managed to get it up over eighty thousand words. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the you know with, and wrote yet another new beginning mm. um, and dr-
1: dramatically revised the the ending. And, uh, so the version of this book that I've read is is, is only tangentially related.
3: N- though a lot of it is still the same. Uh, but uh, the location of some scenes has changed from London <laughs> yeah, to, to <laughs> London. Changed time zones and almost hemispheres. Yeah.
2: Um Let's go ahead and stop for the book of the week, Um, then we'll get back to to Eric's story. And Eric, you actually have the book of the week as well for us. This is the all Eric show today.
3: Yes. The book of the week is Ender's World, which is a book of essays about Ender's Game. And I have an essay in there called How It Should Have Ended. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Mary has an essay in there.
4: Yes, my essay is uh, based on—I can't remember what I called it. But you're breaking the rules, but it's based on uh, attending uh, Orson Scott Card's literary boot camp and all of the rules that he taught us that he completely breaks in *Ender's Game*.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, I hate it when authors or readers do that to me.
4: But but why? Yes, could, yeah, right. it's it's about the the cost of breaking the rules. Right, and, and
3: I think it was called the cost of breaking the rules. Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: that, Good, that's a much better title. <laughs> Howard, how Speaking of the it? costs of things,
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if us. you go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, you can start a 30-day free trial membership and uh, download a copy of Ender's World by various, including Eric James Stone and Mary Robinette Kowal, um, and have it read to you, which is just an awesome thing. Do, does everyone
2: in the essay thing use three names? to match Orson Scott Card?
4: I think that everyone, all of the contributors. I'm pretty sure all of the contributors are. Some of the middle names are silent, but (laughs) they are. That's
3: like John Silent Brown.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so getting back to it. So you've gone through all of this. Now you're shopping the book around.
3: Yes, Uh, so um, I I finished the revision, sent it off to Joshua. He liked it. And so he uh, prepared a, a very flattering letter that he sent off with this book to over twenty-five different mm-hmm. editors, and you know, then over the course of weeks and and months, uh, we started to hear back from different publishing houses, and I, you know, was, you know, over the first few, I'm like, well, th- that was kind of a long shot, anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, when we heard back from. An imprint of Harlequin that <laughs> uh, that said they they really liked the beginning and depending on how the rest of it went that you know it might be good for one of their ebook imprints, um, but then th- that didn't pan out. And then we actually got an offer from from one publisher, um, but it was uh, it was not a stellar offer. It was yeah. not a stellar offer. Yeah. Ebook only and no advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, so you've already done the ebook only, no <laughs> advance version. <laughs> yes. of this. Um it, it, I, t- I talked it over with Joshua, and I did feel like they could offer m- promotion for the book that I couldn't. And so, if if we didn't find anything better, then my inclination was to go with with this. Um,
1: I don't know what Joshua's read on that was, but anytime I see a publisher offering a no advance deal, mm-hmm. they're not taking any risks. And so they're not going to spend any marketing right. yeah, dollars. I on really. The book. I feel like that's the yeah. sucker deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, so then
3: uh, we did get uh, we did eventually get an offer from a publisher to be named later. Yes. Uh, you know, basically, at, at this point, since I haven't signed the contract, uh, as we don't want to say the publisher's recording. name. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um And. Uh, um, we so then joshua talked to a a couple of other places that still had the manuscript Mm -hmm. to see if any of them were were interested and uh we waited a little more to give them a little more time and Mm -hmm.
1: uh on the outside chance that joshua could light the bidding war fire Mm. (laughs) yes and uh so uh then since uh
3: basically they, none of the others were willing to make an offer. Right. Um, we decided to go with with this offer. And you went and, with it today. And, and I am very happy. Uh, with,
4: this
1: with is it. a is a major publisher.
4: Yeah. yeah. yeah um, it's a very good sale, and um, I'm very happy for you. So. Let me
1: ask. Let me ask a question. Um, you had put it up for yourself as an ebook, um, or put it up you know on your own as an ebook, uh, without Joshua's help. Um, would you have abandoned? trying to sell this with the project of languished um, was was Joshua really an incentive to i mean it was having yeah. the agent the reason the book
3: is the, yes definitely uh you know if if it weren't for that i i wouldn't have tried to, i wouldn't have been revising it mm-hmm. anymore okay. uh you know i thought well i'm this was just an experiment i'm done with it it's it's out there um so i would not this book deal would never have happened if
1: if I hadn't gotten an agent okay cause my takeaways from this and they're they're twofold one, Joshua's a really good agent mm-hmm. because yes. he he championed the project um after you had given up on it because you kind of had on your own without Joshua, you know you would have been done, and the second part is you are a really, really good working writer because you have gone back to something that you had kind of given up on and you rewrote it and you're able to look at the rewrites and say, oh, my agent was right, this is better. Oh, that editor is right, London is better than Iran for this scene. Um, So those are my takeaways. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, well, and this is, I think, part of why sometimes we say that if you don't know what is wrong with a project, to to put it in a trunk for a while and, and step away from it because... A lot of times, when you come back to it, it's not just that you've had more time to think about it, but that you are a better writer when you return to it. Yeah. Yes,
3: I frankly, I uh, when I had finished it at sixty-three thousand words, I had no clue how I could make it any longer, mm-hmm. other than go in and add more description.
4: I remember having this conversation yeah. Yeah. with you actually yeah. at uh, the the workshop at uh, Dean Wesley Smith. Dean yeah. we and I, it, I was and just. I Christine was- Catherine Rush, because if you don't have three names. Yes,
2: I was just baffled when you talked about this. By the way, you need more words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: no, I remember reading it. I remember reading it and thinking, Oh, yep, I can see exactly what the problem is, and I can't solve it either. This is a great story, where it is. You know, I can see the beginning, the middle, and the end. I was hooked all the way through it, and if you add more words to make it longer, you'll break that um and so i couldn't help you fix it i just can't conceive this mm. you, not enough words yeah.
3: well the, and I, the, I did have i did Aren't have at least yours? one editor or agent i can't quite remember who basically say yeah i can tell this is written by a short story author
4: mhm mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
3: because it it uh, it, it has a, an economy of words yep. you yeah you apparently
2: needed 3 codas that's what you, you didn't yes. realize right. <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> um so Howard, briefly, what was your path to getting a book deal?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, very briefly, uh, Privateer Press was hunting for authors to launch their, uh, their fiction line in the Iron, Iron Kingdom setting. Um, and uh, unbeknownst to them, they got sold an author who was, in fact, a cartoonist. Mm. Um, but I turned in a novella that they really liked, and the fans really liked it, um, and at Gen Con... Uh, I talked to my editor, Aaron Rudell, and he said, you know, we'd love to have you work on uh, a novel for Extraordinary Zoology. Um, and our timeline is, you know, if you could give us an outline in October. And I said, uh, stop. October through December are completely full of other things. I would love to write this for you. I recognize that you have a schedule, but I just can't. This is when my schedule opens up. If you need to give it to somebody else, I completely understand um, uh, you know, I'd love to do it, but you know, you, you guys own this thing. This would, this would be a work for, work for hire. Um, I mean, it'll pay, it'll pay royalties. And Aaron bless his heart came back to me and said, well, we really want to have you do it. Mm. So, uh, so let's talk about your schedule. And we, we closed that loop. That was in Gen Con is in August. Mm-hmm. Um, we were shooting emails back and forth in October um, contract landed in my mailbox in November and I signed it, you know, a couple weeks later. Um, so you, it
2: was the cons and contacts were very instrumental in this. Um, and in both of these cases, though, you guys both took the, you wrote some short works mm-hmm. that really were got, what got you the attention. How, um, Eric, you won awards, you had big publications, and that's why Jabberwocky right. and Joshua and looked back at the thing and said, we really should be paying attention to this guy. And, Howard, you wrote a a novella that they really liked, and then you got the book deal, which I had never published any short stories when I sold, Um, even though the conventional wisdom says that's the way you were supposed to go. And um, I think both avenues are still open it seems Definitely. yeah well
4: and we've i mean we've talked about that before yeah. like if if you look at the survey that jim Hines did which yeah. we'll link to again in the liner yes notes, great survey um it, it shows that you know you can do short fiction yeah. but That it really does not make a difference it's about fifty. the
1: survey probably needs to be run again though because as yeah. we've as we've said the industry has changed a lot mm-hmm.
2: well we've we've talked about this for for quite a long while and um I sincerely hope that this was helpful to you. I believe hearing stories, it's not about bragging on our part. It's about you hearing stories about how working writers are achieving their goals in today's market. And I think that's useful for you to hear um, and hopefully helpful to you as you try to navigate this yourself.
4: There is one thing that I wanted to point out before we we Mm -hmm. step away, which is that anytime you're doing this, one of the things that they do not tell you beforehand is that there is a period of limbo in which you know you have sold a book. But you cannot talk about it, yeah and uh, and that's you know, and Eric is in kind of this weird place where he's he knows he's sold it, but because it will take a month to two months to get the contract, yeah he's not going to be able to have that be an official real thing
2: yep, yeah, um, well, let's go ahead and do a writing prompt for you guys, and why don't you go ahead and write a story about someone who has had some amazing event get announced to them that they can't tell anyone about. Something incredible, something wonderful, and they are required to not talk about it, and how does that work in their, in their story, all right? This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses, now go right.
0: If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of